Hey, it's Ethan, and I just wanted to come on before the show starts and just say a few things. Uh, I don't know how it's been for you the last week or so, but it's been pretty crazy here in Vermont. We've gone from life as usual to all the restaurants and stores being closed and, you know, social distancing and all that. And, you know, people have asked me, are you going to keep making the podcast? What are you going to do? And I'm definitely going to keep making the show every week. Uh, It's something that I really enjoy. And if it brings you any hope or comfort or just lets you spend 45 minutes dreaming about your tiny house or your future, then I've done my work and that that makes me happy. Um, I hope you're all staying healthy and safe. And I also just want to put this out there. Um, I want to help connect the tiny house community during these crazy times So if you are like in isolation or kind of quarantining in a tiny house on wheels, uh, I'd love to hear from you. And I think that our listeners would really love to hear from you too, just to understand what it's like and and hear your story. So um, if this sounds like you, I'd love to hear from you. Um, You can reach out to me. I'm Ethan at thetinyhouse.net. Or if you want to record... Uh, a message for the show and just kind of talk about what your experience has been like and you don't want to like talk with me, you can just record a message. I'd love to to share those on the show as well. Um, so if you, you know, if you're in a tiny house and you want to share a message with your fellow tiny housers, um, head over to thetinyhouse.net slash 19. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 19. And that will bring you to a page where you can just simply record uh, a message. So um, I hope everyone is, you know, staying healthy and safe. And, um, you know, we're all in this together. And, you know, at some point this will be over and we'll get to look back on it. But for now, um, you know, wash your hands, do all the things that you know you're supposed to do. And uh, I'll keep making the show for you if you keep listening. All right. Here's the show. Everybody out here has their own trauma they've experienced and their own PTSD, whether they're a veteran or not. So it's a really supportive, welcoming, inclusive community. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 103 with Kelly Becker. Kelly is a unique guest because she is both a veteran and resident of the Mattersville tiny house community and also the volunteer coordinator for Mattersville. Now, you're going to learn all about what Mattersville is in the interview, but I just wanted to say before we start that we're really seeing a lot of unique ways that tiny houses can help people in need. We had the Reverend Faith Fowler on the show about a year ago to talk about the tiny house community that she's building in Detroit. Uh, We had Alyssa Nolan just a few weeks ago talking about how she's building tiny houses for uh, campfire survivors in California. And Mattersville is here to help veterans that are struggling with mental health issues. It's a really wonderful organization, and they have a great story of how it all got started. So I hope you stick around for my interview with Kelly Becker, who both works for Mattersville and is the first resident of Mattersville. 
But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor today. The Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast is brought to you by Tiny House Decisions. Tiny House Decisions is my signature resource that helps you go from dream to plan to even building your tiny house. I'll tell you more about it after the show, but all you should know right now is that I'm offering 20% off for podcast listeners. Just head over to thetinyhouse.net slash THD and use the coupon code TINY. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD, coupon code TINY. All right, I am here with Kelly Becker. Kelly Becker is the veteran volunteer coordinator and a new veteran resident at Mattersville in Sedalia, Colorado. Mattersville is a 501c3 founded by executive director Drew Robertson, dedicated to Drew's friend, Sergeant Randall Hansen, who served in the U.S. Marine Corps. The loss of Randy to PTSD suicide is what sparked the idea that has now become Mattersville a tiny home community, and wolf rescue for veterans with PTSD struggling with suicide and homelessness. Kelly reached out to Drew on Christmas Eve 2019 and was unanimously chosen by the selection committee a few short days thereafter and moved from Chicago to Colorado just a week later. Kelly Becker, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, I'm really happy to have you on. Um, I was hoping we could start uh, just by having you kind of tell your story um, and how, you know, how you came to be a resident and then, you know, involved, not just as a resident, but as, as a, you know, administrator, I guess I could say of this, of this new organization. Sounds good. Um, It's a long story, but I'll try and make it short. I was in the Air Force where I was a victim of military sexual trauma. And um, as a result, I've dealt with PTSD for about the past 20 years. And up until about 2017, I was doing pretty well. I was pretty successful as far as my employment went. But in 2017, um, I got pretty sick um, due to sarin gas exposure from being in the Gulf back in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. and uh, everything kind of just fell apart from there. I was uh, I was a case manager for folks with intellectual and developmental disabilities, and they eventually had to end up firing me due to my medical condition. I went through the process of getting my VA disability, which was finally approved last summer after fighting for it for eleven years, and. Um, I decided that since I didn't have to work anymore, that I was going to really focus on getting better and recovering, trying to recover from uh, PTSD, which for me has also come with pretty much daily suicidal ideations. Um, so my plan was to use my VA disability money to buy a custom teardrop travel trailer, eight by five feet. Uh And I was going to uh, travel across the country because I knew that my happy place was traveling and 
uh, being in nature and camping and hiking. Circumstances happened to where that wasn't possible anymore. And I had to uh, move to Chicago where a big part of my community and my support system were and was going through the VA there to try and figure stuff out. And Christmas Eve came around and I started freaking out a little bit because the housing, the folks that I was staying with, uh, it was a temporary situation. And I knew that. And so I was like, I got to figure out what what my next plan is going to be. I used to work for the Department of uh, Homeless Veterans for the VA. And so I knew the programming that they offered wasn't going to work for me. So Christmas Eve, I started Googling uh, homeless veteran programs in Colorado and Mattersville popped up. I read their mission statement, looked at their website, and I was like, this sounds like somebody has picked my brain and created this place. It's everything that I've wanted. Living in a national forest, being, you know, in places, an area where I can go hiking and camping and all of that. So I messaged um, Drew, and about 15 minutes later, he got back to me. And I have a hearing disability, so I text a lot instead of talking on the phone. So we texted for about 45 minutes. And at the end of that conversation, he said, you know, that he was going to personally recommend me to the selection committee and that he thought I'd be a perfect fit. The next day of Christmas, I was alone. I didn't have any plans or anything. So I did, you know, on just a normal day. And at about seven o'clock at night, I got another text from Drew saying, you know, just wishing me a happy holiday. He knew that I was going to be alone. And that they were all out here at the property having dinner and um, discussing my uh, joining the community. That night, Christmas night, I talked to the peer support director and another uh, peer support mentor for about three hours. And they all thought I was a perfect fit. And then like three days later, I was notified that I was accepted. I drove out to Colorado on January 4th and came out and saw the property, fell in love, realized that we also have wolves or wolf dogs, I should say. They're high content, high bread. And that uh, the way that we would be monetizing the tiny home community at this location would be through giving wolf tours, wolf dog tours. So that all sounded awesome to me. And I went back to Chicago, said goodbye to my friends and family, packed up my stuff and moved to Mattersville on January 15th. And since then, it's been amazing. I do have experience as a volunteer coordinator. I used to work at a nonprofit in Chicago called the Arts of Life, which is a alternative work program for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities who also would like to learn how to be an artist as a way to produce income for themselves. So when I came out here, I said, you know, wow, we need volunteers. There's so much work to be done out here. And Drew, the executive director, has a rule that if you come up with an idea, that you implement it. So um, I started Uh, using my experience from Arts of Life to uh, transfer over to Mattersville, which was pretty easy. 
And uh, since then, I've been doing some outreach and doing volunteer training, training volunteers on how to be wolf handlers. And um, yeah, I, that's how it all started. Wow. Well, that's, that's such an amazing story. And I just first want to say, I'm so sorry that 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 happened to you and that, you know, that your service has led to, you know, all this, you know, pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really glad that Mattersville exists and that it, it sounds like it is the perfect fit. Um, it is. So I have lots of questions about like what kinds of volunteer work are needed and what you're doing there. But I think we should back up and first just say a little bit more about, you know, what Mattersville, what Mattersville is. So Mattersville is, we have uh, seven acres of land in Pike National Forest, and it was owned by a friend of Drew's who unfortunately had to move back to Florida to take care of some family members who had become ill. While he was gone, squatters moved onto the property and pretty much demolished it. We've already hauled like 90,000 pounds of uh, construction garbage from the location. I have a feeling they were, you know, attempting to build their own community out here, but it was with all secondhand construction stuff. So it's pretty crazy the stuff that we find out here um, that they were planning on using. So Drew contacted his friend and his friend was like, yeah, you should take this over for Mattersville because Drew was writing the program at the time. And Drew came in and we shooed the squatters out. And then that's when the real work began. Our chief of operations, Kristen, and Drew and a few family members came in and started cleaning up the place. The main group home, the main house that's on the property, was covered in human and animal feces and urine. There was drug paraphernalia paraphernalia and uh, needles everywhere. So it was pretty much a hazmat situation where they actually wore hazmat suits to do the cleaning. Wow. And then just, uh, you know, they they just it's still a work in progress today. You know, there's still stuff that needs to be done. They've only been in existence for a year. They got their 501c3 in December of 2018. But it's amazing what they've been able to accomplish in a year with so few people out here actually working on the property, hence the need for volunteers. Yeah. So what, what have they accomplished in a year? Like what, what is there now? So the group home is almost finished, um, and we have some campers outside that, um, like Drew and volunteers and staff members, actually stay in on the property because now that I'm here, you know, this is supposed to be quote unquote my home for now while I work on my permanent housing solution. And part of uh, the programming, as far as the veteran side of things, Um, There's just two real major requirements, and one is that we spend 25% of our free time either working on the property or towards our personal recovery action plan, 
and then to also save 25% of our monthly income towards our sustainable housing plan. So, um, sorry, I forgot what I was talking about. That's okay. <laughs> um, so we, we're collaborating with a lot of folks in the local area. We're collaborating with folks nationwide. There's, um, we're doing a lot of outreach right now and just getting the word out that we even exist. Mm -hmm. A lot of veterans who are struggling with homelessness and PTSD and suicide, you know, you get to a point where you just don't know what to do anymore. And so the importance of us getting out the word that uh, this resource is available, I think is uh, monumental. It's a situation different from any other that I've ever seen or experienced in that uh, it's all run as far as the mental health side by peer support. And that is just uh, person to person or veteran to veteran counseling, just supporting each other. And one of the things that I like the best about being out here is that it's a not it's not an us and them as far as like veterans and staff or uh -huh. veterans and volunteers. Everybody out here has their own trauma they've experienced and their own PTSD, whether they're a veteran or not. So it's a really supportive, welcoming, inclusive community. Yeah, that community is the word that really comes to mind for me in the sense that people are are helping each other on so many levels, just supporting each other, you know, emotionally and also physically just by, you know, working on this property together and building building your homes. How many definitely how many residents are you, you know, what would be considered like full? Um so here's where I'm not super clear on all of those kinds of specifics, but um, from what I remember, I believe that we are zoned for six residents. There has been some pushback with the county as far as the zoning goes and them letting us build the tiny homes out here because I don't think the county that we're in actually, I don't know what the word is have have legalized tiny homes uh -huh. as a residential option so um we're hoping to show them with our efforts that it's a positive thing and nothing but yeah and is so are you building station you know tiny homes on foundations or are they tiny homes on wheels um right now the tiny home that we're working on which is going to be called the alpha house It'll be for the staff members and volunteers who want to come out here and possibly stay overnight. It is out in the middle of nowhere, so we want to be able to offer that kind of space to folks. And that one is on wheels. It's 32 feet long. It will be all completely sustainable with solar power, wind power, and turbines, and battery banking. So even though we're on the grid because we need the internet so that we can do the outreach. If the grid ever went down, veterans can be sure to know that the community will be able to still keep running. Nice. 
because we're going to be completely sustainable out here. How far from the nearest like grocery store or town are you? About 45 minutes. Wow. Yeah. So I, I rarely leave actually. I really just go to town to go grocery shopping. And a lot of times we don't even need to do that because we have so many volunteers that come on the weekends that bring food donations or people will bring their crock pots out to, you know, feed us for the day and stuff. So it hasn't been for me a big barrier to be out in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. I feel, I feel safe out here and I like that people have to ask us how to get to us when they're looking for us. So I have found the location on the property that I'd like to build my tiny home. Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty perfect. It's already got a old beaten up camper on it from when the squatters were here. I believe they were going to build like a uh, marijuana grow house, according to the trash that I'm seeing around. And, uh, you know, marijuana is legal in Colorado, and I have been successfully able to get all of the psych meds, get off all of the psych meds that the VA was giving me with uh, marijuana. So uh, it's openly used here, and uh, no one judges anyone for using it either. That's great. Is So yeah. will you plan to, to also grow there? Um, once we figure out the legalities behind it, since right. we are still working with the county on even just having the tiny homes out here, right. um, we'll look into the legality of it because we are uh, unincorporated and in a national forest. So uh, there might be some poop to jump through for that. But right. ideally, yes, um, we're going to actually be doing organic horticulture and gardening out here nice we're gonna be doing uh, aquaponics and beekeeping and anything that we can do out here to help monetize sustain us Uh so that we don't have to depend on anyone else for this uh community to function right that's where the wolves come in Yeah, well, let's let's talk about the wolves. Okay, because at, at first it seems like they're two disparate things, but it sounds like the wolves actually are a way for you to earn money as a community. So, t- talk about the wolves. Correct. So, um, they're high-bred, high-content wolves, um, wolf dogs. Um, all of them are seventy-five percent or more wolf. And we procured them from the Rocky Mountain Wildlife Foundation in Guffey, Colorado, from a gentleman named Mark. He had been running this uh, wolf sanctuary for about 26 years. And he unfortunately came down with some health issues that required him to move to lower elevations. And so um, he was really wanting to keep the pack together. There's, I think, 10 of them. And he wasn't able to find a shelter or a rescue or a farm or anything that would accept the whole path. So um, I'm not exactly how we got connected to to Rocky Mountain Wildlife Foundation and Mark, but he found us and uh, Drew was like, yes, we will take them. So we had about a month or a month and a half to build 10 uh, wolf dog enclosures on the property 
so that we could start transporting them here. So now we have them all here and we've actually uh, just recently gotten a new one. His name is Randog, which is after Randy Hansen. And uh, he was scheduled to be euthanized the day before we found out about him. So uh, Walter Mott is our chief engineer and co-director of the animal care program. So he was uh, more than happy to jump in his car and head to Oklahoma City to pick Randog up. And uh, he is by far the sweetest uh, wolf dog I've ever met. He's pretty well trained, so much so that we've decided that he's going to be a house wolf dog instead of keeping him in an enclosure outside. Nice. And he will be most likely our ambassador when we go out and do outreach or go and do events and campaigns and festivals. Cool. Yeah. So it's, it's, I didn't know anything about wolf dogs when I came here and they're very different than domestic dogs. But one, yes, we're going to use them as a way to monetize, sustain the community by giving wolf dog tours, which have already started. We're doing two a day, and they are courtesy of donation. So we don't set a price because we don't want anybody to think that they can't come out and experience this just because they can't afford it. So whatever anybody can give us as a donation or not, we welcome and we give them about a two-hour wolf tour. What happens on a wolf tour? So on the wolf tour, you get introduced to all of the wolf dogs and you get to go into the enclosures and uh, basically interact with them. There's a period of time where, you know, you need to stand still and let them check you out before mm -hmm. interacting with them. Mm -hmm. So we guide the, the participants on that. And then uh, we give you know, the backstory of each of the wolf dogs and each of their nuances. And uh, the biggest part is that we want folks to understand that, yeah, uh, we have wolf dogs out here. They're great, you know, all of that. But the biggest reason that we have them out here is for the wolf dog assisted therapy for the veterans that are going to be here. Mm -hmm. A lot of these wolf dogs came from either illegal breeding rings or they were severely uh, neglected and or abused. So with them having such a high intelligence level, the bond that is able to be created between a human who has gone through similar experiences is incredible. Wow. There's just an unspoken unspoken bond when you look at a wolf dog in the eyes and they're like, yeah, I know what you went through and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And they can sense that. We have one wolf dog out here. She's our oldest one. And uh, her name is Josie. And when we got her, uh, they told us that she was a hands-off wolf dog, that she doesn't interact well with people, that you, we shouldn't, you know, let the tour participants interact with her or touch her. Now, granted, she is a little moody, but she has her favorite people. And she is by far one of the most affectionate wolf dogs that I have a relationship with. Anytime I go into her enclosure, 
She is all over me, licking my face off, getting belly rubs. And it's just like, oh, yeah, look at this savage who wasn't supposed to be touched. And now she's a big sweetheart. So not only are the veterans getting rehabilitated out here, the wolf dogs are as well. Getting to interact with humans is super important to their recovery as well. Right. And I'm sure that that, you know, I'm obviously not not an expert in this, but I'm I'm sure that contact with animals is is great for for your mental health in general. I mean, I know that I always feel great when I get to pet a dog and feel, you know, feel that love. Yeah, it's incredible. It really takes your mind off of things and gets down to the fundamentals of humanity of like love wins and positivity wins and compassion and understanding wins. And if we treat each other like that and we treat wolf dogs like that, I think everything will be super copacetic out here. Nice. So is is part of the experience at Mattersville that that new residents will be involved in building their own homes? Most definitely, yes. Um how you know, a lot of the veterans that are gonna come here are probably gonna have some sort of disability of some sort, physical disabilities that would keep them from doing certain things. That's why we have the teams and the partnerships and the volunteers that we do have to come out and help with that. So um it'll be a collaborative effort uh for everyone out here and everyone involved. We are partnering with a bunch of folks. We collaborate with the People's Tiny Home Festival. Marcus, one of the directors there, he also lost his best friend, Paul Wedgwood, who was uh, in the 5th Battalion, 3rd Marines, to PTSD suicide in 2016. Mm -hmm. He saw uh, Mattersville when we were on the news and reached out, and it's been an unbreakable collaboration and bond since then. We're partnering with uh, Leadership Douglas County and Westera Credit Union. They're helping us, you know, fund and procure and find tiny homes or people that are willing to help us build tiny homes. And then um, we're also working with Gabrielle uh, Rapport from Operation Tiny Home. She started building tiny homes because her brother suffers from PTSD. And she also works with uh, Zach Griffin from the Tiny House Nation. Uh-huh. So we have all of these great backers and great support systems. Once we can get the ball rolling, uh, right now, our only income is from the Wolf Tours. And that's able to maintain what we have right now, but it's not able to sustain any growth from where we're at. So. We're working with uh, Tiny Home Connection. They're building sleep pods um, for the property. That's another uh, option for volunteers or veterans if they'd you know, rather stay in just a sleep pod and then use the main house for like bathroom and kitchen and communal areas. They have that option. We're building with uh, Tiny Home Connection. We're building a model called the Baby Baja with support from uh, leadership Douglas County. And that's going to be like our show home. Uh, We're going to hook it up with all the latest uh, solar, wind, and battery banking power. 
and uh, go around to all the festivals and show folks what we're doing out here. Um, we're really lucky to have a natural spring well on uh, the property uh-huh. that is endlessly full and the best tasting water that I've ever had. Nice. You know, uh, so we got really lucky on that. Uh, we're also collaborating finally with Outside Colorado. I'm not super clear on how they're helping us. This was like a last minute addition when I was doing research for the podcast. But um, I think they've done some pretty big things for us uh, in the past too. Um, So our next step, uh, we're also fundraising for uh, a community in Hartzell, Colorado. We have $12,500 more to raise to procure that land uh, where 35 acres and 100 tiny homes are planned to be built there for veterans. Wow. And the way that community is going to be sustained is a program that we're calling Vet Saving Pet. The region that we're in, in in Colorado is a high concentration of military members, active duty, and veterans. And the Vet Saving Pets program is going to be like a foster program for uh, military members that are being deployed and can't find anyone to take care of their animals while they're gone. So they can bring it out to the Hartzell location and have a veteran fostering and taking care of their pet while they're deployed. A big problem in this area because of that is that a lot of the shelters are 100% full 99% 99% of the time. Mm. So in a pinch, when a, when a military member gets deployed and can't find anyone to take their dogs, they, you know, end up unfortunately having to go to a no kill shelter or going to kill shelters and they, their animals end up being euthanized, which is a horrible note to go on when you're going out on a deployment and knowing that when you come home, your, you know, best friend isn't going to be there. Right. So. We're really hoping this Vet Saving Pets program is going to alleviate that worry for our heroes that are going to uh, deploy to reinsure our freedom and everything that we enjoy here in America. The least we can do is take care of their pets. Yeah, at li- least not take care of them. Right. Um, so it sounds like you have a lot of um, kind of organizational partnerships and support um what kind what kinds of volunteers are currently needed like how can people get involved um if they want to so right now for me my biggest need is that we need help with the wolves i'm walking five to seven wolves a day and it's wrecking my body we need help with feeding them and watering them. We're, we're hauling five-gallon buckets of water to their enclosures all over the property every day. So if we could get some regular volunteers who could be out here during the week, because it's only four of us out here during the week, to come in and regularly and 100% be able to be here at that time, that day, to help with the animal care would be great. We're also looking for anyone that has construction knowledge or tiny home building knowledge, anybody involved with solar power, wind power, or battery banking. Um, We need folks that know about organic gardening and horticulture. 
the aquaponics, the beekeeping. We're going to need volunteers for all of this. Another big thing is that uh, it's really difficult for us being here in the mountains to get the things delivered here that we need, such as like when our washer and dryer breaks down, we need somebody to be able to pick that up and and bring out a new one to us when they come out to visit. So um, it's a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it sounds like you need a lot of like help on site people to actually just show up and, and do stuff. We need a lot of help. Yeah. What, um, how do people, if, if they do want to volunteer, how do they, how do they get in touch and, and get set up? So it's really easy. All you have to do is go to our website, www.mattersvillevets.org. And there is a volunteer button or tab uh-huh. down there with, um, an application and a waiver. They simply fill out the application. I get notified of that. And then I reach out to folks to set up their hour-long orientation. Um, We do require that um, if folks are interested in becoming a wolf handler, that they actually volunteer out here for four hours on the property beforehand. We're finding a lot of folks want to come out here and just work with the wolves and just want to sit and hang out with the wolves. That's all great and and fine, but we really need the muscle. We need, you know, lumber moved. We need all this construction garbage removed from the property. We need some heavy lifting done first. And uh, there's a whole training program behind becoming a wolf handler. It requires folks to uh, shadow a staff member on a walk with a, a wolf four different separate days. They need to learn how to uh, secure the enclosures properly because they're different for every wolf dog. We have some real escape artists out here who uh, are are opportunistic and will <laughs> shove past you any any moment they can. Okay. So, and we want to make sure everybody's safe and and feels confident. Otherwise, it's not going to be a good experience for them or the wolf dogs when they come to hang out with them. Right. Right. And what about? Um donations because i'm you know not everybody is is in that particular area do you do you accept donations or is there maybe like a wish list of items that you need that people you know if somebody wants to send something that you need is is there somewhere they can find out about that so there's many many ways that you can donate you can simply go to our website and hit the donate button and that's a paypal uh donation we have a wolf dog sponsorship program. If you look at our website and you see a wolf dog that you particularly connect with and would like to support their care, you can sponsor them on a monthly basis for as low as $25 a month Mm -hmm. or as much as you want. It can be a one-time sponsorship. It can be a monthly sponsorship. If anyone sponsors a wolf uh, three months in a row, they get a free Warriors with Wolves t-shirt. Nice. We also have several campaigns going on on uh, GoFundMe, and we can also be found on Facebook where we're always asking for donations, and that's also where uh, a majority of our content as far as our progress for the property content is going to. So if you want to keep up, uh, we stay on top of our social media daily posts of things that are actually happening in real time. 
and uh, you can donate through Facebook as well. Well, that's fantastic. It sounds like there are ways for people to get involved, whether they're nearby or far away. Definitely. Well, one thing that I like to ask um, all of my guests is, what are you know two or three resources that have been helpful um, maybe to you or to the community that you'd like to share with our listeners? Like, you know, could be a YouTube channel or a book or just something that has helped in the formation of, of this community? You know what? Honestly, we're so revolutionary and unique. This is all coming from the executive director's brain. All right. He has a, he has a very specific vision of what he wants to do out here. And there's really nothing else like us. It's a way for, you know, veterans to recover in a different way. Not, you know, not the, the common remedies for PTSD symptoms don't work for everybody. And I say to a lot of people out here, you know, that um, since I've been out here, um, a lot of my symptoms have gone down significantly. They will never go away. PTSD never goes away. But you learn how to cope with it and how to walk alongside of it. And for me to have the opportunity out here to keep my mind business or keep my mind busy and not let it go to the dark places because there's just so much stuff out here that can and needs to be done, that in itself is um, super helpful to my daily mental health. So I don't, I can't really speak on any resources that we've used as examples to spur any ideas out here because it's so unique and has such a specific vision. Wow. That's a, that's the first time that I've gotten that answer, but I like it. I accept. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Well, Kelly Becker, um, thank you so much for, for your military service. And also thank you so much for this awesome work that you're doing at Mattersville and for being a guest on the show today. Thank you so much, Ethan. It was so fun. And uh, I just can't uh, say enough about how much this place is going to be a life-changing experience for anyone involved, volunteer, staff, or veterans. It's just, it's a really special place. And I'm super grateful for the minds that are behind it. Thank you so much to Kelly Becker for being a guest on the show today. You can learn more about Mattersville, including photos of their wolf dogs, links to their webpage and Facebook, and more at thetinyhouse.net slash 103. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 103. Now I want to tell you a little bit more about our sponsor today, which is the guide Tiny House Decisions. Tiny House Decisions is a comprehensive field guide to help aspiring tiny house builders make the right choices for their unique homes. In it, you go through the decisions that I made, what I ultimately decided for my own house and why, and how those decisions affected the overall project. I'll help you identify key choices and understand the relationships between them so you can plan your house effectively without spending countless hours researching. The guide has helped readers save hundreds or even thousands of dollars on their tiny houses by avoiding common mistakes. And most important, it will help you feel confident about the choices you're making because you'll know they're the right decisions for you. To learn more, head over to thetinyhouse.net slash THD. 
Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD and use the coupon code TINY when you check out for 20% off any package. Well, that's all for now. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.